0: You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hello and welcome to The Good GP. Today's episode is Pets and Vets. It's a really interesting episode. My guest today is Dr. Innes Chester. Innes is both a GP registrar, uh, but a, a veterinarian and a veterinary anaesthetist as well. Yeah, Welcome, Innes.
1: Hi, Tim.
0: Now, your career story is interesting, Innes. You're... Your, father was an ophthalmologist, your mother was a veterinary ophthalmologist, and you decided you couldn't just follow in one's footsteps, you had to follow both of them.
1: Yeah, that's right. So um, interestingly, I didn't actually get into the um, into medicine through the GAMSAT, so I sort of was 50-50 on vet and medicine, so I decided let's go for vets, and I loved my career. Um, I graduated in 'o six. so I've been a vet for a long time now. Um, and then decided to kind of transition over to um, GP, or um, well, medicine and, and GP, and I've loved that as well. So I've got to work in both fields.
0: And the really interesting thing in this is that you have continued working as a vet throughout your training, basically, the whole time, which is, like, you, to juggle two careers simultaneously has been a real achievement.
1: Yeah, look, I I think it's um really really been fantastic for me i've enjoyed that kind of broad scope and i love both careers so i just couldn't kind of stick with one so i've been very lucky
0: that's fantastic and look that means you're really well qualified to talk about pets and vets so let's throw ourselves into it let's talk about the benefits of pets and you know so what sort of are the health benefits specifically of pets
1: Yeah, so this has been widely researched and certainly there are a lot of known benefits to um, owning a pet. So one of those is cardiovascular health. So people with pets, um, so this is dogs and actually interestingly goldfish as well, have lower levels of blood pressure. They've got lower um, triglycerides and in men lower cholesterol as well. We all know that dogs get us out and about, so dog ownerships associated with better physical fitness and also reduced obesity as well which is fantastic Um, and in one study owning a dog actually improved your outcomes following cardiovascular surgery which is really good so there's lots of positives to owning dogs there's lots of research as well in um, assisted therapy pets in particular um, in alzheimer's patients so um, having assisted therapy pets around improves morale Improves eating habits and overall health in in those Alzheimer's patients, and in kids with ADHD, they actually increased attendance at school. Wow! Yeah, reduced violent behavior and increase language and social skills. So that's really fantastic.
0: Yeah, you could sort of see how empathy would improve with pets and sort of understanding of, of emotions might improve as well.
1: Yeah, certainly. And actually kids, they did a study of kids in schools and and kids that had pets um, had improved empathy and were actually more liked overall than kids without pets.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I think people think about the benefits of pets as go- taking the dog for a walk but it's... It beyond the physical benefit of, of what you might do with your pet it's very much a social thing as well
1: yeah certainly you know we all know going down to the dog park you'll sort of talk to people that you wouldn't ordinarily talk to and they create that great social buffer don't they so it's really nice to sort of you know talk to other people about their pets it improves your ability to sort of go into social clubs and dog training you know it's really nice
0: yeah great and if we're thinking about you know, if someone's thinking about getting a pet, what are the different things they should consider about getting a pet?
1: I think the first thing is, what are you wanting from that pet? So are you wanting a low-maintenance sort of companion um, that's very little cost? You know, think a goldfish or a, a cat, something like that. Are you wanting a dog fantastic high energy needing to walk it all the time great for social interactions your exercise all of those things so that's really really important how much space do you have you know do you have enough room for a dog even though you might want one you know pets are for life so it's really important to consider that cost is another big thing and time do you have time for training walking grooming all the things that comes with in particular a dog and how long will your pet live that's something that a lot of people don't consider so you really need to consider that Um, that's a big thing if you're buying a pet for say an elderly relative how long will they live and where will you put that pet if that elderly relative or other member of your family would need to go into hospital or something like that so you need a backup plan um, so that's really important.
0: Yeah, I think a, a lot of older people, in particular, think about a pet, but they worry about them, them being outlived by the pet, which is sort of well, sort of puts them off in lots of ways. Which I think, in in some ways, is a bit of a
1: shame. Yeah. I think you're right, you know, and certainly it is a big stress for, for older people and it can actually also affect their health-seeking behaviours because, you know, they might not want to go into hospital or receive a treatment because they worry about what's going to happen to their cat or dog. So, you know, it is there's challenges but also great benefits for them. So it's it's something that I think the whole family maybe needs to have a think about before a pet's bought.
0: Great. You know, that's the benefits of, of having a pet. What are the sort of the health considerations and costs and risks that we need to think about with pets.
1: I guess costs first. Um it's actually surprising how much pet ownership does cost. So the average um Australian household will actually spend between $3 and $6,000 on their dog in the first year. And so that's, you know, vet expenses, grooming, vaccination, microchipping, desexing, registration, all of those things. Um, And then on average, it's about one and a half thousand dollars for dogs per year and about $1,000 for cats per year. So it's not an insignificant cost. Yeah. And that's just sort of the monetary cost you know you do need to consider the potential health hazards as well um you know trips and falls particularly for elderly people mobility issues are you able to get that dog out for a walk and and that can be a real mental strain and stress on on people also we've got things like zoonoses as well Mm -hmm. which we often worry about They're probably not as common as as pet owners do think, but, you know, you've got things ranging from intestinal worms to, you know, gastro issues. You've got your weird and wonderful conditions such as your citicosis and toxoplasmosis. So there's a huge number of things that people can actually get from their pets. Certainly there's certain people in the population that, Are more at risk. So, those are children under the age of five, the elderly, immunocompromised, um, and pregnant people. So, certainly, those are people at risk that really need to think about those health um, risks. Um, And I think, you know, people really need to um, consider hygiene when, Mm. when they have an animal. So, washing your hands know making sure you worm your pet look after them well wash their bowls and things in a different sink than the family's dishes are washed in those sorts of things and um above all you know us as gps if someone comes in with something weird or wonderful it's always worthwhile asking if they've got a pet Mm -hmm. there's a chance that maybe they've they've contracted it from their their pet
0: yeah absolutely yeah People, so in the cycle of life, I often find people, you know, acquire a pet, say a dog or a cat, and then they all have a, a young child. And so you often see young children sort of coexisting with, with, with pets. So what what sort of risks are there for young children? Is it just mainly hygiene things? or
1: So it's mainly hygiene things, but certainly scratches and bites are really a major thing that you need to consider as a parent. You know, children aren't always most gentle with their beloved pets. So you do need to think about that. Intestinal worms, ringworm, gastro, so Campylobacter, E. coli, um, Salmonella. The the time costs that you now have with with that child, and how sort of you know the the pet will go a little bit by the wayside. Yeah,
0: they they fall down the pecking order. Yeah, yeah. That's the can't remember where I read it, but but you know, pets teach kids lots of really invaluable skills around life, not just mm. sort of those care skills, but actually the practicalities of you know animals get sick and die before us so they'll they'll see the cycle of life a lot earlier and and also sort of the emotional sort of contact
1: yeah yeah i mean there's huge benefits for um kids having pets um and not only all of that we know that um having a pet in infancy actually reduces your risk of allergies as well so that's another benefit
0: yeah lots of things to think about we touched on briefly the issue of nursing homes or aged care facilities and, and pets, you know, so there's a lot of research on, on the benefits of pets in, in aged care facilities. Mm. There, are, there are benefits and risks there though.
1: Yeah, certainly, you know, again, having a pet come into um, a nursing home with potentially immunocompromised people is, is a big thing. So. Certainly, not all pets are, are suitable. You know, you shouldn't really be having things like your reptiles and things coming into the nursing homes. They carry salmonella on their skin, so that's really important. Yep. Um, and also, you know, older people have frail skin, you know. Is a dog appropriate? Jumping all over them. Yeah. So you do need to make sure that the right um, animals are brought into the nursing home. But most of the time, they're, they're fully checked out before they go in, that they're trained
0: Great. Well, that's, that's a, a really great discussion around the benefits and risks of pets. Let's sort of hone in now on being a vet, your mm. current and previous career. It's a really stressful and difficult job in this. So what are the health challenges for looking after people who are vets?
1: So I think there's a few things we need to consider. You know, scratches and bites and obviously zoonotic diseases are a consideration in vets and that's something that we not uncommonly see. Vet is an incredibly physical um, career as well. You're often lifting dogs onto tables, getting on the floor with them. You know, if you've got a bad back, that's a big strain and can really affect your earning potential. And I think the biggest thing is mental health. You know, you touched on vet being a stressful career. It can be, you know, just like GP can be at some times. Um, And I think there's a number of reasons why that is. You know, you're dealing with owners' expectations. Often owners are more stressed about their pets than they are themselves because animals can't tell you what's wrong with them. So, you know, that can be really stressful for owners. Also, every investigation, there's a cost associated with it. So, you know, there's the financial strain and burden that owners... Um, have when they come in to see the the vet Um, and you have to manage that you need to manage that whole family unit as a whole and deal with those those owners which can be incredibly stressful the other thing is you know you really are it we take see one do one teach one to a new level in vet in medicine you've got quite a structured training program where you're in medical school then you're an intern rmo registrar where you're sort of T- taking, not, not really making any decisions for yourself versus in VET, you ruck up on your first day and you are consulting. That's you're, you.
0: You're right in. You're yeah. it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And for... Taipei personalities that maybe have really excelled all their their, their sort of school life and, and university life and then were taught the gold standard at veterinary school it can be really difficult to actually learn the practicalities of what you can do with limited finance and you know when when you are it mm. so that can be a that that can be a big toll so certainly that's something that i think everyone struggles with particularly when they first graduate mm. Dealing with death is another big thing, you know, as vets, you euthanize um, pets, and that can be really stressful. And also, you know, you have a 15-minute consult, and you might have a puppy consult, you know, the the next consult, and you have to sort of turn around and bounce out of there and, and, you know, compartmentalise that sorrow, and that can really build up. And I think some people deal with that better than others, but it can be really difficult. And unfortunately, we know that um, the suicide rate in vets is really high. It's actually four times the um, general popul- the, for for the general population in Australia. i um, actually one vet commits suicide every twelve weeks in Australia, which is you know really mind boggling statistics. And I think that's probably not only probably the stress of the job, but also you know um, access to medications. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, it it's a, a staggering statistic and. Mm. You know, the thing I was thinking about is uh, we know that the suicide rate in anaesthetists is really high also for that access problem. So, you know, you've got sort of anaesthetic level drugs that are readily available, which is, you know, often a, a very difficult sort of combination when you've got a workforce that's finding things very, very stressful and, uh, you know, has high emotional needs, basically.
1: Absolutely, yeah. They did a um, study in Australian vets and certainly most vets experienced a high level of negative emotions at some time during their work um, day, which when you're dealing with death and, and all of the things we discussed before is not, not unsurprising, but it's difficult when that's day in, day out.
0: Yeah, mm. it must also be really difficult to sort of have such a really wide range of, I guess, patient or, or owner's expectations and ability to actually finance things. Um, So being able to sort of predict and and work towards that must be really challenging.
1: Yeah, we we don't have that safety net of Medicare. And we've also not got often the safety net of sending someone to an emergency facility. There's also not the same culture of sending people to specialists either Mm. because of, I think, partially the financial burden. You know, that's improving with um, pet insurance. Um, And that takes a little bit of the burden off your general GP vets. But the reality is most of the time, every single consult, it's you, you know, um, and you need to have a huge amount of knowledge um, and consolidate all of that and, um, and you know, sort of w- work out what you can do in the financial constraints that you're provided.
0: Mm. Yeah, so it's mm. a really challenging job, very similar to general practice in lots of ways, but like in, in, in many ways, a, a much sort of higher tier of, of challenge as well with sort of the, the breadth of knowledge
1: yeah yeah i think it's different but it, it has many of the same, similar challenges gps have yeah that's, and that's
0: my last question for you Ines. what do you think gps can learn from vets and you know what do you think we could do better
1: yeah so i think there's sort of three main differences in um vet one is that the pet can't tell you what's wrong with them right so you need to really hone your examination skills and your management of their owner. It's very similar to paediatrics in that you know, talking through a really thorough examination is incredibly therapeutic and you can learn a lot from it. Um, and I think you know, as a GP, that's so important as well. So that's certainly something we can learn more from, from um, vets. The other thing is everything costs money. So vets really have an acute understanding of the cost of investigations so being you know mindful of how much investigations cost they're not free they're they're funded by medicare so you know really using those in a thoughtful way is a really good idea and just to reduce that health burden on on the government the other thing is is that um we uh, sort of understanding the importance of a pet Mm -hmm. You know, I think we often don't really think about the pet, you know, often being The reason for someone to get up during the day, you know, or or getting outside, and that's super important to people. I think we really need to consider that, you know, when that pet does pass on, what what toll does that take on them? So, you know, considering that is a really good idea, um, and supporting your patient through that is really important. Asking them if they're okay when their pet does pass away, things like that, you know, just being there for them.
0: Yeah, you know, that's fascinating. I I have. (laughs) seen really substantial levels of grief in people following the death of, of a beloved pet and you know it's really pr- profound actually and I, I think it's also hard for people to talk about because they you know in some ways they can't talk about it in the same way as losing a relative uh, where often their grief is sort of equitable basically
1: absolutely I've often had people say you know I've actually experienced more grief losing my pet than say my mother who was very unwell and, and, and old because this pet is there every day they wag their tail when I walk through the door they uh, I take them to work with me they're my constant companion and now they're gone and I really don't know what to do with myself and often their friends don't understand you know yes. if someone loses a relative the cards roll in and the casseroles and everything and when someone loses a pet we don't have that same understanding that maybe that was just as important to them as, as losing a relative. They really are part of the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ines, that's just been a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Pleasure. Anytime. <laughs>